And we welcome you to the Tuesday morning show on WGTD. I'm Gregory Berg. I'm really excited that we can spend most of today talking about a very, very important play, one that I have a a bit of personal connection with. It was during COVID-19 when so much was shut down in the performing arts that the Racine Theater Guild undertook a virtual presentation, if you will, of this play called The Laramie Project, springing from the uh, tragic, brutal murder of Matthew Shepard in Laramie, Wyoming, back in 1998, and a play which sought to uh, bring to light uh, the feelings and attitudes of the ordinary people in Laramie, Wyoming, uh, reacting to what had occurred to Matthew Shepard, trying to make sense of it. And uh, the Laramie Project now is about to be presented at the University of Wisconsin Parkside. And I'm very happy to have with me uh, on the morning show to talk about it, Fabrice Conte-Williamson, who is now chair of the theater department at the University of Wisconsin Parkside and directing this production, uh, the performances of which will be occurring this coming weekend and the following weekend as well. Fabrice Conte-Williamson, we welcome you back to the morning show. Hi, good morning. It's good to be here. I'm glad we can have this conversation. I kind of neglected to say, but in that uh, virtual production of the Laramie Project, I had a small role as one of the professors at uh, the local university where Matthew Shepard was a student, and my wife Kathy had a, a role in that as well, as did a whole lot of people from the Theater Guild and the outside community. And I counted among one of the most powerful experiences of my life to have been a part of that. And so uh, I am exceptionally excited uh, by the opportunity to uh, see Parkside's production uh, over the course of these next two weekends. Tell us, first of all, about the decision to do this play and uh, how it sort of folds into the overall season. I guess maybe part of what I'm asking is kind of how the overall season at a place like Parkside gets put together. Yeah, so we um, we choose our season about a year in advance, um, trying to plan for opportunities for students. We knew we were going to get our, a really big incoming class of students. It's our biggest class ever, in fact. Hmm. So we needed uh, you know, a production that was pretty flexible in terms of the number of opportunities for student actors. And uh, the Laramie Project, you know, as you know very well, has a, a large number of characters. The cast is... Uh, quite flexible. You can double cast a lot of these people. Um, In fact, that's the whole premise of the show, that um, actors play multiple roles. Um, So it it felt like a good fit. Um, And from um, a content point of view, you know, it was important to us um, when we looked at uh, relevant shows um, that this year marks the 25th anniversary of Matthew's uh, murder. Mm. And uh, there are a lot of events around the country about... um, that anniversary and the legacy of uh, Matthew's murder and his parents' um, advocacy for LGBTQ rights. So it, it felt like a good fit for us. I had the, the opportunity to direct this show at the University of Oklahoma many years ago. And as you very um, justly point out, it's a, it's a really important story to tell. And it's a very emotional um, an intense experience for the entire creative team who works on this show because of the content and um, the way it's so beautifully um, put together and written. So um, when the title came up, I was just excited to be able to work on this show again and kind of have a new, different experience with uh, the students and the faculty at UW Parkside. Hmm. 
I had not done the math, so uh, it had not occurred to me that uh, it is exactly a quarter century ago that uh, that this uh, event took place. And I suspect the vast majority of, of people listening to this interview will know at least something about the story of Matthew Shepard and what befell him. But uh, for the sake of anybody listening who maybe was too young or for whatever reason just is not acquainted with this story, maybe we should... Uh, take a moment to uh, cover at least the, the the essential basics of who Matthew Shepard was and what happened to him. Yeah, Matthew Shepard was a, a student at the University of uh, Wyoming in Laramie. Um, he had just moved there, in fact, uh, from Denver, Colorado, um, and he was uh, started to work in uh, trying to see for himself a future in political affairs, really. Um, and so he was uh, just a brand new student in Laramie. He um, encountered uh, two young men at a bar one night, and um, that they, they left together, we know that much, um, and later was found tied to a fence, uh, beaten up really severely um, on the outskirts of, of Laramie. And uh, Matthew died a few days later um, in the hospital um, from his hand injuries. Um, and so... That moment marked um, a really big turning point, I think, in um, in LGBTQ history in the United States. A sad one, very similar to what happened to Harvey Milk. Mm. Um, you know, um, this sort of violence kind of brought uh, to the forefront of the conversation. You know, the the, the place of hate, uh, the idea of hate hate crimes. Um, so, so it's a it's a terrible story. It's it's a very um, Sad story, um, but the interest of the Laramie Project is that it really goes beyond telling the story of Matthew Shepard because, it, as, you, as you mentioned earlier, it's, um, it's about the community, really, the community of Laramie and the portrayal of the community and how the community deals with, with grief, with hope, with moving forward, with, um, with uh, acknowledging what happens and, and um, healing. And uh, that, I think, is universal. It speaks to everybody, you know. So tell our listeners about uh, this gentleman named uh, Moses Kaufman, whose name appears at sort of the head of the script, uh, and, and the story of how this script took shape. It's, of course, a very unconventional way, uh, an intriguing way to create a script. Yeah. Moses Kaufman is an actor and director uh, who works in New York. Um, he uh, is the head of a company called Tectonic Theatre Project, um, who is still active today. And uh, what happened in 98 is uh, Tectonic decided as a group to travel to Laramie after the event to interview um, community members. And from these interviews, they pieced together, they edited the interviews, they, they assembled them. Um, and they created the script for the play. So everything in the play is uh, based on these interviews, um, and it's called it's what we call verbatim theater, which is a tradition in theater making. Um, and the essential work that uh, tectonic theater does is uh, verbatim theater. They uh, employ a technique called moment work. So the play, instead of being devised into scenes, is uh, divided into moments. Uh, we were very lucky because we're expecting um, to host a talk back with Scott Barrow, who's one of the members of uh, Tectonic, mm. uh, following the first Sunday matinee on uh, October 15th. So immediately after the performance, this is open to the community uh, in the theater. Scott will be with us um, to talk about um, the work that Tectonic does 
and how they approach theater making in an unconventional way, you know. Hmm. We're speaking with uh, Fabrice Conte-Williamson from the theater department, theater faculty at the University of Wisconsin Parkside, and talking about their production of The Laramie Project, a play created in 2000 by Moises Kaufman and members of the Tectonic Theater Project, an example of what they like to call verbatim theater, in which uh, the script, if you will, springs directly out of the actual words of actual people, in this case, the actual some actual people from Laramie, Wyoming, uh, talking about trying to make sense of of the uh, the tragic fate of of uh, Matthew Shepard, who had been murdered uh, just a couple of years before. Uh, so explain to someone who has not ever seen the Laramie Project, in a sense, what unspools from start to finish. I mean, when, for instance, the curtain goes up, where are we, when are we? So the, the play, um, because it's a collection of interviews and they're not presented in a chronological order, um, appears as a, a form of almost like a puzzle. Um, so you have short snippets from the different interviews that are um, almost like thrown at you at the beginning of the play, and, and you hear all these different voices about what happened, what people think happened, how they reacted, their connection to uh, the event. And um, some people are people are directly connected to the murder. Uh, we hear from the judge, we hear from the police, we hear from the EMS, uh, we hear from Matthew's friends, but also some other members of the community who are not directly related to what happened, but suffer the consequences in many ways and still have to deal with what happened. So for the audience, um, the interesting experience, uh, in my opinion, is that you get sort of bombarded with a lot of different points of view, and you have to create your own experience you have to to create your own understanding of the events and um, how to deal with the reality of who we are as a community and how do we move forward um, so it's an unconventional theater going experience uh, we've decided to stage it in an alley theater which is also unconventional for most audience members um, meaning that you have audiences on on two sides of the theater facing each other right it's so the or the couple of times I've seen this, the the performance space, if you were, if you will, is kind of a long rectangle, Absolutely. and then you have against one wall some of the audience, and against the opposite wall, uh, other people in the audience, in a sense, looking at each other, mm-hmm. and before them then is this performance space, like a long bar, if you will. Exactly, yeah. um, and. Um, like you said, the audience is looking at each other, which was very important to me. I thought there was an, you know, there's an idea in the Laramie Project that the, this is a way to explore who you are and to kind of scrutinize who you are as a community. And so the fact that the audience is um, visible to one another it was kind of interesting and important, I think, to, to acknowledge that not only you're watching the play, but you're also participating in the play in, in some way. Mm-hmm. Even though it's pretty passive, you're still there. You're still somewhat visible to the rest of the audience. Um, so we, we were excited to explore a, a sort of different way to present theater um, because the Laramie Project is a very different kind of play. Um, so, yeah. Mm. One of the things that uh, I'd, I'd like to talk with you about is um, in terms of You've already touched on kind of the wide array of citizens of Laramie, Wyoming, uh, who are part of this, from whom we hear. And uh, 
uh, how would you assess, in a sense, the even-handedness of that portrait of Laramie, Wyoming, as a community, in terms of of those who are uh, emotionally shattered from the tragedy of of Matthew Shepard's murder, all the way to people who maybe thought he had it coming, or or in or in other ways were very much untouched by the tragedy, did, perhaps didn't see it as a tragedy of all. Along that wide spectrum of possibilities, who do we meet in Laramie, Wyoming, and what sort of overall portrait of the community emerges in this play? Um, I think where um, Matthew, uh, well, I'm sorry, where Moses Kaufman uh, did a, a great job with his um, team of, of um, playwrights working on the script is that they chose to include such a variety of voices that it is not a play that really tells you how to feel about what happened, but rather presents how so many different people feel. And therefore, you have to make your own sort of decision to deal with, uh, with the events yourself. So um, one of my very favorite monologues is from a, a character and a real person named Sherry, um, who talks about how she really struggles to um, understand the media attention that this event has gotten. Because, of course, for those of us who remember what happened in 1998, um, there's quite a, a national and even international interest in, the, in this murder. Um, and uh, she recalls the, the loss of a, a police officer who, she says, worked with her husband. Um, and that monologue is, is so interesting because it, it allows, I think, the audience to hear the perspective of somebody um, who at first we might dismiss, um, but then we also listen to their own humanity and we also understand that where they're coming from um, is equally valid in order you know, to understand their experience, to understand the community's experience. So um, I appreciate and I and I, I celebrate the the fact that um, Tectonic included so many different points of view, so many different testimonies, um, and not didn't they didn't choose to make the play um, an advocacy piece, mm. um, but rather they tried and I think they succeeded so beautifully to paint the complexity of the community. Um, of Laramie, which I think reflects the complexity of um, you know the United States in general. Absolutely, I, I I quite agree. And another thing that I appreciate about it is, uh, and I think I especially appreciate this aspect of the Laramie Project because uh, the kind of character I'm about to describe is is one of the characters that is a, one of the characters that my wife portrayed in the theater guild's uh, presentation. Is that in it, it's very easy to think of this in very binary terms, that you have the people who loved Matthew Shepard and then the people who hated Matthew Shepard. And there is this sharp divide, and you're on one side or the other. And, uh, and there are plenty of people in, in Laramie who had maybe complicated feelings. And uh, maybe their feelings about this and Matthew Shepard and what happened to him in, in sort of shades of gray... And and I just appreciate the fact that they weren't afraid of the gray, that it wasn't completely black and white in, in its portrayal, and 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 in particular, you really saw people where, you know, they'd never really ever stopped to even think about some of these issues and were grappling with them for the very first time. And I guess that's the part that uh, where I where I I mean I don't think there's a gray area in terms of what happened to Matthew Shepard. It was 
a despicable, horrific act, and there is no gray about that. But in terms of people trying to take all this in and uh, embrace a new understanding, you have people uh, in kind of all different w- points along the path. Uh, and I really appreciate it that, that that sort of complicated part of all this uh, is not shied away uh, in, in this play. Yeah, we have, um, I think, a responsibility when we put theater together, um, when we present theater, when we make theater, to acknowledge the complexity of the human experience, right? Um, I think the best plays do that. And uh, the Laramie Project is is a great example of that, of, um, you know, taking on, this is taking on a real event and, um, and looking into the humanity in uh, all its complexity, its nuance. And that this is why we, we, I think, enjoy going to the theater is because we get to take a couple of hours and think about who are we and what do we want to be and how can we be a little bit better to one another. Hmm. We're speaking with Fabrice Conte-Williamson from the theater faculty at the University of Wisconsin Parkside. He is the director of the Laramie Project. Uh, which is going to be opening this coming weekend with performances the next two weekends at the University of Wisconsin Parkside. So to the matter of casting and the fact that uh, as the play is uh, set down on paper, we're talking about more than 60 different characters, and yet most traditionally uh, the Laramie Project is is done by a relatively small cast of maybe eight actors, and I suspect there's some flexibility. I mean, in the case, for instance, of the Theater Guild, uh, there wasn't any of that doubling up because they wanted, for a lot of reasons, to have as many people involved as possible. So you don't have 60-plus actors. You are more adhering towards the uh, kind of the traditional way that the Laramie Project is projected, is uh, conceived. So when it comes to casting then, first of all, how large is your cast? And how does one cast when you are casting actors to portray more than one character. It seems to me like that gets to be a very complicated challenge for you. Yeah, it's, it's actually awesome. I love that from a directorial point of view. But um, we have a cast of 16 actors, ranging mm. from first-year brand-new students to the program to seniors, accomplished students. Um, and uh, the, the, the fun part for me as a director is uh, working with actors on seeing how much they can transform from one character to the next. So most of our actors play four or five characters in the play. Um, and so in the, the audition and callback process, some of the things I was looking for is, are you able to transform your body, your voice, to portray a variety of characters? Um, I think for some of our actors, this was a little bit new and scary um, to put yourself out there and, and try to compose a character out of nothing for maybe somebody who stays on stage for 30 seconds or so. <laughs> um, but, um, but it's exciting. And that's really where the spectacle of the production is, is in this ability for these actors to transform back and forth between different characters and, and creating believable portrayal of, of these real people. Um, we, we had conversations early on with the cast about not um, trying to imitate the, the people that are in the play, because the, the, you know, some of these people, there is news footage from them. There are, uh, you know, with the internet today, you can pretty much find everybody. Um, and you know, the responsibility was to create a, a genuine portrait of uh, who these people could be, but not necessarily imitate these people, hmm. um, because most 
of our audience is going to come see the show and will not have an actual idea of who these people, what these people look like or what they sound like. So um, we did a lot of work about freeing the actors to make decisions about how this person would talk, how this person would walk, sit, um, stand. Um, so it's, it's fun. It's fun for the audience, I think, to watch a group of, of actors transform very quickly from one character to the next to, to create this um, this portrayal of this entire city. Mm. So uh, I'm curious about the matter of set and also of costumes. Let's talk first about costumes since we were just now talking about the cast. So to what extent will the actors be going in and out of different costumes? How much will costuming uh, uh, impact the, the portrayal of these various characters? Um, very little, um, as little as possible. In fact, mm. I'm constantly editing out costume pieces. Um, the goal is to really um, take advantage of the actor's ability to transform physically, vocally, mm. to create the characters and not distract with uh, extra pieces of costume and not re- rely on the costumes too much to, to bring these characters to life. So there are a few pieces here and there, but it's very minimal on purpose. Um, and, you know, it, that is also reflected in uh, the scenic world for this for this play because the goal, well, the play, um, I think if I remember correctly, describes the set as an empty theater or something like this, or an empty mm. stage. So already you have the playwright's take on what this should look like. And so we've tried to somewhat um, embrace that. Um, and uh, the alley configuration really serves that, in fact, and so we have a, a great original scenic design by Jody Sikis, who's one of my colleagues, who hmm. has created a very pared-down, um, very conceptual set for the presentation of this play. Um, there is a love spectacle with lights. Our lighting designer, Jessica Baker, who's an alum from the program, um, has uh, helped create transitions between these different scenes um, in a way that feels like a big reshuffle. You know, mm. that was one of the words that we talked about in the production process is how do you go from each of the scenes and each of these characters to kind of go to completely something completely different and different part of town, different characters. And so we this word reshuffling was important to us. So we have very dynamic lighting and sound uh, transitions in the play. Um, and the sound design is original music by Kevin Gray, who's one of our um, faculty in the music department. Mm, fantastic. So tell us about the students who are in this cast uh, in terms of their prior awareness of the story of Matthew Shepard and the existence of this thing called the Laramie Project. I suspect some of them knew something about this, maybe even some of them knew a lot about it, and I suspect some of them came to this, uh, in a sense, as neophytes, not really knowing anything about this story or why this play needed to be written. Yeah, the um, the reality is all actors in the cast were not born mm. <laughs> when this event happened, um, which is interesting to think about. Um, there's a, a bit of education that has to be done uh, when we get this cast of actors in the room talking about you know, what actually happened, um, educating them on the, on the facts of the story, and then talking to them about the Laramie Project itself, like what that process was like and why it was presented, and also the legacy. Um, 
Dennis and Judy Shepard, who were, who were Matthew's parents, um, have uh, created the Matthew Shepard Foundation, which has become a big advocacy um, group um, that's been lobbying for LGBTQ rights around the country. And um, so there's a legacy to Matthew Shepard's um, attack and death that... Um, that is important today and that actually impacts our students today because we have a lot of LGBTQ students in the theater department and uh, at UW Parkside in general. And these students, in fact, uh, in some way live in the legacy of Matthew Shepard and they may not know that. Hmm. So for someone who's never seen uh, the Laramie Project, um, they could well imagine this being, in a sense, uh, a really heavy difficult slog and uh, I mean I for one don't see it as that I mean and and it's probably important for us to underscore the fact that that for as tragic as this story is at its heart that there is in a sense more to it than the tragedy in terms of what it's like to experience this over the course of an evening explain what you think of as kind of the overall atmosphere and maybe texture of this play yeah I'm so glad you're asking because maybe one of the most misunderstood part of that of that play of that text of that experience is that it is a very heavy very serious um, play and in fact because the portrayal of these characters is so diverse there's a lot of humor in the play which is necessary because you you know you, no audience member wants to suffer for 2 hours uh, mm-hmm. in deep grief and so the the humor comes from um the the various takes on um, people's reaction um, and what they want to communicate to these interviewers, to the people from Tectonic who came and and interviewed them um, about their own experience, their own life in Laramie. And and so there there are quite a bit of characters who who bring a a form of humorous um, take on themselves, really. Um, and and that's really important because it, it helps us also um, see that human nature is not is not just dark. You know mm. that that people have a mechanism to to look forward and um, to to find ways to I think as a community to rebuild. And uh, so so that aspect of the play I think is also what attracts me to the script is that it, it is a play about. Um, making a better society, being a better society, being a better person, um, and you know that speaks to everybody. It doesn't. You don't need to be in Laramie, Wyoming, to um, embrace mm-hmm. that. And I think you know here in Kenosha, with the events that happened a few years ago, we have a similar experience where we are constantly rebuilding our own community and thinking about our own community in a way that's maybe more proactive, or maybe more conscious about the way we look at ourselves. Um, so I, I can see parallels about how our our own community, the people around us, are maybe engaged in a similar process today. Hmm. Very well put. So what has this experience been like uh, for your young actors uh, grappling with this story uh, and the events of which, as you just pointed out, happened before any of them were born? Um, what has this experience been like for them, emotionally especially? Yeah, we... we um, I'll just say it. We're having a great time <laughs> working on this production because I think the actors are finding a lot of freedom in the process of creating this, these characters and telling this story. They're f- they're feeling empowered 
by the message of the play and by our ability to present the story to on, on our stage. And um, maybe that's why some of these students chose to be in the performing arts, because you get to have a voice, you, have, you get to be uh, um, maybe an advocate for a better community. And so the, the, you know, the actors, yes, it's, sometimes it's a little bit emotional. You're working on, you know, I'm thinking uh, Dennis Shepard, Matthew's dad, has a long monologue in the, in the final act of the play uh, following the trial. And um, that monologue is very emotionally intense. And, and the actor who portrays Dennis is uh, Colton Smith, who's a graduating senior. And, uh, and you know, he's done a lot of work to, to work through this mm. very intense monologue to, to be able to do it justice and uh, to be able to present it in a way that our audience can connect with. Um, so so it's, it's a great experience. I think it's a, it's a lasting experience. Last time I directed this production, I think the cast after the, the run of the show um, would admit that this was maybe the most moving piece of theater that they had constructed together hmm. uh, and there's a strong sense of ensemble when you're working on a piece like this so you know for young artists I think it may be um, almost like a milestone in in their education and in their career um, as a moment where they engage in um, socially politically um, conscious um, theater making hmm. so the play uh, opens on uh October 13th, Friday, October 13th. We hope it's a lucky day, actually, despite October, Friday the 13th, and runs that weekend and the following weekend as well, both evening and daytime performances. If people are wanting to attend, what should they do? They can go to uwp.edu and uh, search for theater performances, and they can buy tickets online or at the box office on the UW Parkside campus. And I'm assuming this is taking place in your Black Box Theater? Absolutely. Black Box Theater and the Rita Performing Arts Center. Right. One of the one of the most amazing Black Box spaces I think I've ever seen. And uh, so some terrific things have occurred in that space, and I know this will be yet another, the Laramie Project, uh, running the next two weekends at the University of Wisconsin Parkside. And the director, uh, Fabrice Conte-Williamson, thank you so much uh, for joining me today to talk about this powerful play and your production of it and best wishes to your whole cast and crew thanks for having me